little while. Not of us further to go. Chapter 12. Revel of Daniel. Just a little while. It won't be long. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But oh, thou Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Verse 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for heaven forever, forever. Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. One more time to lift you up high above the crowd and above all things and to give you everlasting praise. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, bless this service with special anointing and special understanding. We pray for revelation, Lord, and divine inspiration and illumination. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. So Maranatha, the Lord cometh. You may be seated. My title is Payday Will Come. That's my title. Get it right. Payday Will Come. Most of you, if any of you know my father, you don't know him at all by face. When I forget in 1971, God stopped him from working at the GCOS plant. He was a, green, a, blue, a red seal carpenter, and he could go just about any province and work as a construction uh, guru, and he was one of those. And God said, stay home. I got work for you. I lie not. And so he stayed home for a week. And then nothing happened. No lights went off. No miracles happened. He questioned God in prayer. And on the Saturday morning, God said, get up and go for a drive. And he drove all the way from 7th Avenue and 3rd Street, drove all the way and land up in a place called Athabasca, Amber Valley, which you folks don't know. But that's a place where runaway slaves from the states ran to during the slave period. 
and they hid there, and the Canadian government offered them a solace. And they were there by the hundreds. In those days, there were no road from Edmonton to Athabasca, just woods and animals and etc. etc. Brother Romy would tell you when he was alive how many days it would take to travel just from Amber Valley to downtown uh, Athabasca. Take a whole week. And then the horses, after being overnight and put up like you do in a hotel and fed because they couldn't travel that distance, was so rugged and rough. But they cut a highway through the jungle off the bushes and go to Athabasca downtown and go back and forth. And when he went there, there was a lady uh, that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but she had never been baptized in Jesus' name. And every time she talked in tongues, the preacher and the people would take her and put her outside because they felt she's having a psychological phenomena and put her out the door until she, she cooled down. And she knew she was not feeling a psychological phenomena, but she was experiencing the Holy Ghost, which she read the book of Acts. Now, that group did not believe in that demonstration of the Holy Ghost of that manner, and she was demonstrating it and experiencing it. Her husband, of course, feel embarrassed. His wife being put out every time service went on. And so her prayer was, God, if this is of you, send someone to explain to the preacher and to the rest what's going on, what's happening to me. So my dad, if he, if he had traveled the route, in fact, my friend from Georgia said, you should write a book about this because that's the act of Pentecost. There's no way he could find where she lives. But he traveled all the way up highway, highway 2, come all the way up, turn right at the direction of the Holy Ghost, went across and finally came to Athabasca City, and God said, you're not there yet. Keep on driving north. So he turned right and keep on driving. Finally found the house, and when he reached close to the place, he could never tell about living there because on the front of the, uh, the highway, there's lots of trees that mask where people live. So God told him where to turn. He turned. He saw a little building, a church building. was about to go there. I figured that's the place to go. And then God said, no, you don't go there. Go over here. And so he went over there and went to the farmer's house, and he knocked. The farmer showed up and said, what do you want? He said, God sent me here. He said, what for? He said, I got a, I got a message for you. Come on in. <laughs> so my dad walked on in, sat down here by himself and, and with his Bible and said, God, give me a message for you. And explained the book of Acts to him. While his wife is in the kitchen, weeping, crying, sobbing that God answered her prayer. Now, you're not going to read that in any of the Pentecostal books or the Pentecostal Herald, you're not going to read it at, at hear about it conferences. They don't even know it happened. But I'm going to tell you, it's no lesser important than Philip going from Samaria to Gaza Desert to meet an Ethiopian man coming from Jerusalem, going back home, disappointed, don't know what God is all about, and that's how the church in Athabasca started. 
I'm sure my dad baptized over hundreds of people in Athabasca and Westlock. You guys know nothing about it. The oldest lady he baptized was a lady over 120 odd years old. He had to lift her up, his arm, and literally submerge her in Jesus' name. But when he did, she jumped out of his arm. Full of the Holy Ghost. Talking in tongues. You forgot she was old. Hallelujah. And she died full of the Holy Ghost. And that happened way up in a place called Wabiska. I can tell you how many people got baptized in Whitefish. I was there one time at least 10 or 20 people, got young people got baptized in Jesus' name in, in Whitefish. I was there. I've seen it. And we can tell you a whole lot more. And you don't read that in any book at all. You folks don't even hear about it. My district don't even know about it. Never were even told about it. Hello. And I can tell you a whole lot more story of things that happened in his life. When I went to England back for their convocation, and uh, the, the bishop asked my mom, do you still believe in miracles? Because everybody who had disease, were crippled, were blind, were halt, were lame, the pastor would call her and she would pray and everyone would be healed. Every demonic possessed person would be healed. That memory is still in England, Birmingham. Everywhere I travel, I travel to Toronto, the States, New York, Florida, and they tell me about what my parents did. And most of you don't know that in their home, amen, one of the largest, in fact, the Bethel Pentecostal movement came out of their house from their front room. Because when my dad went to England, there was no church. And every bishop from that church organization know my parents. No, it started in their front room, and they almost idolized 144 what? Holly Road. And you guys know nothing about it. Why am I telling you this? Now, also, my dad, before he died, we were in a, a revival service in Edmonton. Uh, I wasn't yet preaching up here yet. And my dad, I think I was. I'm not sure if I was or not. No, I don't think I was. Uh, but my dad came and says, son, something is happening to me. And so he told me what was happening to him. But I don't forget, my dad says, i got to start a church in St. Albert. I can't stand driving through that place. To this date, I still believe my dad bought a property in St. Albert. I just don't know where he bought it because he died without giving to tell me. But I'm sure he did. Because he planned to do it. You know, all the material right to build a church there. And he was in a, a little, a little uh, clubhouse where he had services. And you guys don't know about it. Nobody knows about it. There are no books written on it. It's amazing. Hello. You see, men look on the outward appearance. But God look on the heart. And... You may not made it to the Guinness Book of Record and the Hall of Fame of Hockey and Movie Star, 
but there's a record in heaven. <laughs> Where after death comes payday. Hallelujah. And that's how those churches got started. And my reason for telling you this, no doubt there are people in this church right now who are totally committed and devoted to the cause of God. And you may never stand behind this pulpit. You may never sing a song. You may never be known for a great one in the eyes of men. And yet there is a book in heaven that knows, I know thy works. And I know your labor. And I know your heart. And I know your motive. And I want to talk about that tonight. That payday is coming. Daniel was worried about his nation and what was taking place. Now, I don't think Israel knew that Daniel was in the position he was in. But God set him there, and he was accomplishing great things for God. And God take a periscope and look from that time period right back here, somewhere in about uh, 534 B.C., and look right down to the end of time and describe payday. He said there are people in the grave. Some are going to rise to everlasting shame and some to everlasting fame. Hallelujah. Don't you despise mopping the floor. Don't you despise cleaning the windows. Don't you despise, amen, just watering the garden. In fact, don't even despise giving a cup of water. In the name of Jesus, for there is a record keeper on high that sees every action and none action that take place. Now, there's more to this church. And anyone in this church, then you know, there are more to it than us preaching, teaching, singing, talking in tongues, running the aisles. This thing is going somewhere. <laughs> We're not stuck here. <laughs> We're just doing what Jesus said, occupy till I come. We're occupying till he comes. So he's coming. And he says, I'm going to come back. And every man shall be rewarded as his work shall be. Now, church, I don't know if you know this, but when you got saved, you got baptized into a royal family. You belong to a holy priesthood. You may not look so with the car you drive and the house you live in and the clothes you wear. Amen. The accolades the world refused to give you. I don't care if the mayor don't know me. And I don't care the prime minister don't come here. But Jesus better be here. He better be here. Hallelujah. Did you know in Matthew 6, 7, 6, 20 says, you've got treasures in heaven. Didn't excite you to see that? I knew that. If I told you, you just won a lot of 6, 49, 15 million, you were screaming to a cartwheel. All I said was in Matthew 6, 20, it says, 
you got treasures in heaven. You just can't picture it because you have never been to heaven. And you can't imagine what kind of treasures there, but one thing I know, thieves aren't there, rust ain't there, and moth ain't there. How many of you believe that your name is called in heaven? It says your name is in heaven, Luke 10, 20. I believe that. My name, which may not make the Hall of Fame in my organization or in the politics of today, but somewhere in heaven I'm well known, though unknown on earth. You ought to rejoice. <laughs> Nothing more personal than your name. Did you know John 14, 2 says, I go prepare a place for you that where I am, there's room in heaven for the believer. Amen. I say amen. There is room in heaven for the believer. Now, I went to buy some chicken one time, some chicken wings, and I got this from the chicken wings people, and even chicken wings people got good ideas. It said to me, today's preparation determines tomorrow's achievement. Powerful words for just selling lousy chicken. <laughs> Next time I went back to buy some more, it says, use your talents. That's what they are intended for. Hello? 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 They just sang a while ago and played a while ago. Many of you can't play, can't even carry a tune. But God don't care about that. Just make noise. <laughs> Just make some noise. And he can get involved in it because he can get a tune out of it. <laughs> Hello. Hallelujah. Peter said to him, Lord, I have forsaken all to follow thee. What is in it for me? Now, church, how long have you been in church? When last you got paid for singing? When last you got paid for vacuum in the church? When last the pastor recognized you with some metal, amen, for cleaning the washroom? Not even mentioned. Taken it for granted. And yet we are different from the world because some, all they caught up with is the cares of this life but you, like the Apostle Paul, every day is the care of the churches. Can you clap your hand? Now, when I went on the job to work, we bargained for a wage. And every month of the year, I intend to get a wage. I intend to get paid. If I run in a race, I intend to get recognition for winning that race. It is no different from the church. If you labor in my vineyard, you have a payday coming. If you win the race that you're running right now, there's a crown awaits you. There's recognition coming for the church. But you see, we're so programmed by preaching and teaching by us preachers that all you ever think about is sin. Is sin. Hello? No, I lost you right there. See that? I did lose you right there. Because if I preach about sin, you'll feel a lot more happier than if I preach about Christ. Hello. 
because we are people that are mentally defeated. But the reason why the church does not seem attractive to people in the world, they can't see the treasure in the church. But we know that treasure is in the field. We know there's a name given above heaven that's not on earth. We know there's room made for us, not at a some hotel, but in heaven, God has made room for us coming. Amen. We're not going to crash his home. We're going to go by invitation. Praise God. There is an entrance in heaven for the church. Revelation 22, 40 says, come on in, my people. Come on up higher. We are in a higher heights and deeper depth with Jesus Christ. This church is going somewhere. We are not, we are not wasting our time singing, praising, worshiping God. Luke 20 and 35 says, amen, we are going to be accounted worthy of the world to come. I told this morning, we are the survived kids of Noah. Hello. There is a world to come to be obtained where we need to marry or a giving in marriage. Sorry, Sister Nee, you got to let me go. I'm going to be married to Jesus. Tell your wife and husband goodbye. Goodbye, honey. It's all over. You won't be the attraction in heaven. Jesus will be. This is not the Mormon faith. Hello. There's a word to come, a kingdom to be received, amen, and a glory to experience. Now, the greatest accolade you could ever hear is not from the pastor. It's not from the saints. It's not from the prime minister of the world. You are striving for these words. Well done. Number one. Well done. When God says, well done, it's done well. Number two, you want to hear these glorious terms. Thou good and faithful. You're good and you're faithful. The next thing you want to hear from him is, you are a good servant. Modern day term, you're a good slave. I lost it now. See that? I lost it right there. Number four, he said, Enter thou in the joy of the Lord. You know, there are people are much more at home being sad than being happy. They love these seasonally affected disorder in their lives. I come preaching about joy and they go, What's wrong with the pastor? He's a compromiser. And I come and preach. Friend, hurricane, <laughs> whatever's going to hit you tonight. Wow, hallelujah. <laughs> Hello. The devil's going to get you tonight. Wow. What if I said, Jesus is in the house? Nothing happens. It's amazing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I didn't waste my time coming to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I didn't waste my time coming to church on Friday night. I didn't waste time on Sunday morning. And I'm sure not wasting my time right now. I'm preparing for that great and eternal day when it's all over, my friend. 
For the joy that's set before me, I endure the cross, endure the journey, endure the pilgrimage, and I'm not going back. I can't wait to hear those words. Enter thou in the joy. At his right hand there is a lot of ha, 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 ha forevermore. See, if you try to laugh right now, your face will crack right up. Try it hard. All right? Is he cracking up? Oh, hallelujah. Because you have been faithful in small things. You see, some people think a church is successful because the pews are filled. No, my my friend. Crowd is not a sign of success. Money is not a sign of success. Amen. Praise God. It's not nothingness of this sort of thing. <laughs> it's quality God's looking for. Not quantity. Praise God. Now I tell a I tell a girl. If you go, if you're gonna marry a guy, make sure three things about him. Check out his pocketbook. If he's got no money in the bank, in the back, you don't need him. You don't care how much he's gonna look good looking. That guy in a few more days is gonna look like a shriveled up breadfruit. Forget about his muscles. It don't mean a thing. It will just shrivel and disappeared. You know why I know that? I used to have it. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So you don't laugh at me, you got the same problem I got. It disappeared. Oh, hallelujah. But oh, check out the pocketbook. Make sure he can take care of you. Say, so, honey, you sure he can take care of me? When I lay in my bed, will you go work for me? Because when you marry me, I'm going to give you a license to get work. That's no death sentence. It's a license to work. Oh, hallelujah. And make sure you got a songbook to keep you happy. One thing I don't want to marry is a stone-faced guy. If he doesn't know how to smile, forget him. Boy, I lost it now. I'm in family feud, right? I can see that. <laughs> Make sure he knows how to laugh. And then number three, make sure he's got the black book. To hold him accountable for the way he handles and treats you. Praise God. Jesus has all three. He's the word. He's got treasures. Hallelujah. And got a mansion. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now I tell you girls, you know, but hey, if a guy invites you out for dinner and you haven't married him yet, here's something you should do to him. Get the most expensive thing on the thing. Watch him. If he wants you to pay for it, that's not your guy. If it's an excuse to go to the bathroom, he's not coming back. <laughs> Carry some emergency fund in case he walked out on you. And the last thing, spill some water on him. See what he does. 
See if he gets mad. That's good advice. If he passed all those tests, go ahead, go for him. He's all right. Oh, hallelujah. But God says, enter thou in the joy of the Lord. I'm going to make you ruler of everything. All that the Father have is mine. How many of you believe that? You know, your short-term unemployment don't mean nothing. What you lack today cannot be compared with what you have. In heaven, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard. Nor has it entered your heart what God has prepared for we bench warmers right here. One thing I must agree about the devil, and I, I respect him for that. He's got taste. He want the lamb chops. You are. He want the prince and the princess in the churches. He don't mess around trash. He comes after you. Amen. What you've done for Christ will last. If you live for self, you live in vain. If you live for Christ, you live for gain. I want you to know, I believe my dad and mother, which is in heaven right now, I believe, are reaping what I'm teaching tonight. Now, I don't know if their pastor ever taught this to them, but I'm teaching it to you. That Peter said, what do I have? I gave up fame and fortune. I gave up. He said, my friend, just a minute. So I'm going to bless you in this life and the life to come. You got a twofold legacy waiting for you. Can you believe that, church? That's why I have no problem coming to church to pray. I have no problem coming to church tonight because I know this is not all there is. Hallelujah. Praise God. The guy told Rebecca, where I come from, there's a whole lot more. Let's worship God. How many of you can imagine an environment where there's no more tears? No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more curse. No more night. No more Satan. No more tempter. No more persecution. No more affliction. No more hunger. No more starvation. No more desertion. No more war. Can you imagine a painless life? Enjoy forevermore. Some guy says, pie in the sky. Well, I like mine with ice cream. Praise God. So I said, well, you folks are brainwashed. Honey, I've gone beyond that. I'm heartwashed too. I confess I'm brainwashed. Thank God. Hallelujah. Let's worship God. How many of you can imagine right now in this life, even though you don't use it and practice it, that you've got power over serpents? you got power over scorpions. God gave you power to bruise Satan's head. God gave you a way of escape in time of temptation. God said, I'll support you, hallelujah, and show you how to resist the devil that he could flee from you. You know, if you could resist the devil, you'd be in the madhouse. You know why we're in this church tonight? Because we're free. I said, we're free. Sin does not have dominion over us. It would like to. Amen. And for our reward for being 
overcomers, God said in the 22nd chapter in verse 14 of Revelation, you're going to have entrance into heaven when Satan is being kicked out. Drop down. You're going up, but he's coming down. There's some guy in Texas that can spit from here to the wall. I want, I want to practice that. When I see Satan falling, I want to spit at him and make sure I connect right in his forehead. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've always told you girls, the most destructive forces in this church are women wearing high-heeled boots. Look at the carpet. There are more holes in there. Those are not holy. They're holes. Women with shoes that are dangerously sharp. If they step on your feet, friend, there's going to be an accident around here. When they start dancing the spirit, you step back. Because look out, friend. <laughs> They could cause bodily injury around here. That's right. But that was designed for the devil's head to bruise the serpent's head. Do you know Hebrews 11.10 says that there's a city not called Fort McMurray, not called Las Vegas, that's prepared for you. Do you know the wealth of a nation is defined by its city? How many knew that? Can you hear me? What's hello? Make sure you're alive. Touch that person. Say, are you alive? He's talking to you. When you go anywhere, you go to that city, you can tell how rich or poor they are. Amen. That's why Murray's trying to put a show on and fix up its city. Thank God for her mayor. She, you, know, you know why she's like that? She met Sister ooh, Top Church. Amen. But there's a city whose builder and maker is not Casman. It's not my company or your company. It's God. Now, folks, I have been to cities. I've seen beautiful cities. I've seen awesome design that men have made. God can exceed that. Your eyes have not seen it. Now, I wonder, what kind of preparation are they making for us? I slept in the St. O's home one time, and I thought, God, I don't want to go back there. It's too immaculate. It's just too immaculate. I mean, there was no dust anywhere. And obviously, where I go, dust walks with me, and it talks with me, and it tells me I am its own. I thought, oh, God, I can't touch the tap. I can't touch the bathroom. I'm going to leave some dust behind. Can you imagine being in heaven in a city with a street of gold? Can you imagine that church? Clap your to Jesus right now. Now I got news for you that feel they're persecuted. Romans 8 and verse 18 tells us something about the glory of that's to follow. When I first heard about Christianity, I thought if the guy hits it one cheek, you punch him on the other cheek. But God said, no, turn the other cheek. 
turn east, you know, different cheek. One guy said, if I run on the cheek, then I'm going to kick the guy. <laughs> Hello. But we're told to be lamb to the slaughter. But God said, if we are persecuted, there is a glory to follow. Many of us endure hardship and situation because of the promises ahead of us. The reward that's going to follow. Matthew 5, 11 to 12, talk about that great reward. Now, church, you have to finish the course to get it. You can't stop halfway. You must finish all the way. Come on now. I mean all the way. Amen. All those guys who died before us, you know, they kind of cheat on us. Well, they did the, they jumpstart the situation here. But I know you guys don't want to die either. I'll prove it to you. You got sick tomorrow with cancer, you're going to run on me and say, Pastor, pray for me. You know what? You don't want to die. Anybody wants to die? Come on up here, please. I'll, I'll nominate you. Why do we pray God heal us? I thought we ain't die going to be with Jesus. Sorry, not now, Jesus. Later on, but not now. The lady told me in the Chinese restaurant, she said, look, I want to ask you a question. If a guy come with a gun and say, you're a Christian, if you say yes, I'm going to shoot you. What would you say? I say, yeah, I say yes. I say, oh, no, no, that's the that's, that's wrong way to say it. He says, I would say no. So I can continue working for God after he's gone. I said, it doesn't work that way. I said, when you die, you're going to be with Jesus. He said, oh, oh, pastor, oh, I'm going to home and think about it. Well, most guys won't give you a chance to think about it. But Stephen said, I saw Jesus. And when he saw him, his face looked like an angel. Now, you girls, don't let your husband call you an angel. Because all they're calling you is a man. There are no female angels. If there's one, you're the first one. Amen. They're not calling you something great. You look like a man. Now, I'm not lying. I saw a woman, and I took a second look, and I was right on. I wouldn't make a mistake. She had a beard down to here. She had a beard. If that was my wife, I would shave her. I'd buy her some shaving cream. Or when she sleep, now she has it, tomorrow she won't. Because <laughs> I would drug her and then pull it off her, whatever. Any beard around here, if there's one, is me. One guy called me last night and said, Pastor Neal, I got your books and Man, that beard you have on, I said, you got the wrong picture. He said, that's you, Pastor Neal. You got sideburns. I said, no. I couldn't convince him. He says, I'm going upstairs to find the book and show you that's you. I said, email me that picture. I said, by the way, let me call my wife. Honey, have you ever seen me with a beard? You know why? I couldn't grow one if I wanted to. <laughs> but no, church. Hey, I want to tell you, God says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. He's got reward in heaven for you. Now, sometimes Christians are martyred. And you think, oh, God, what a waste of life is not true. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12 says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign, what? With him. Come on, Michael, I saw that. You don't have any. Sorry. 
It's just not in your culture. All right, I'm not teasing, Michael. I'm just teasing. Michael, I'm teasing. Somebody clap your hand to Michael right now. Come on. Tomorrow we'll pin some hair on you, okay? All right. But the Bible said, look, in John 12, 26, Christian workers. So you don't want to testify on the job about Jesus Christ. You have no reward. Because you would not work for him because you don't want to be persecuted. Hello. But you that are being reviled and being buffeted, not for your fault, but for his name. He said, I will honor you. My father will serve you because you as a Christian worker went through all that just for me. Now you guys don't realize this, but I'll tell you why Job went through his problem. God says, Satan, Job will go through that and a whole lot more just for me. They will say, not on your life. And God said, watch this. I want to ask you, church, did you know if you save your life, you shall lose it? We are the only people who can be big losers on earth. One little sin can let me lose all my treasures in heaven. One little infraction, if I die in my sins, can cause me to lose access to heaven. And I thought about, my God, why do I want to spend eternity with the devil? Why do I want to do that? I say, cancel my appointment. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to spend my time with Jesus. Payday is going to come. I don't care how poor you are down here. You are rich in heaven. And your eyes and your mind can't conceive what God has prepared for them that love him. That's why working for God is not a chore. It's an opportunity to lay up treasures. You may not have GIC down here. Amen. And mutual funds. But oh, my friend, have funds in heaven. Have treasures in heaven. Lay up, amen, all the legacy up there. Because Bible says it's forever more. Oh, clap into Jesus. I want to be honest with you folks tonight. How many of you in all your Christian life have heard 50% of the preaching you've heard telling you that you're rich in heaven? Put your hand up. Now, either you're lying or telling the truth. But look at how small and few there are who is aware of what you let go when you give Jesus Christ for a bottle of beer. You have no idea how much you lose when you fornicate. You've lost treasures. You've lost a crown. You lost a gown. You lost your rights. And now you're back in captivity. You got so much to lose. Amen. And so much shame to inherit. But when you live for God like you should, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you didn't write this down. And verse 24, 27, it talked about an incorruptible crown when I run the race. You know, I'll tell you, folks, I'd rather you go to pray and fall asleep 
and sleep and didn't try to pray. You can't afford to give up your prayer life. Because you're in a race. Paul asked the Galatian, who did hinder you? They didn't finish the race. There are always things on the job, sometimes in your own family, in your home, in governments, to stop you from running that race. And you've got to make it in your mind, you will not mess up my crown. You will not disqualify me. I want to reap what I start out working for. Amen. It's a crown incorruptible. Then there's another crown the Bible talks about. It's a soul winner's crown. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, we read about it. But 1 Thessalonians, go there, chapter 2 and verse 9 to 20. You see, church, when the devil come fighting at me and quarreling at me, I got this in mind. I realize it's a highway robbery. He's trying to rob me. Let no man rob your crown. Let no man uncrown you, ungown you, or undress you, or unseat you from your throne. Because you do have a throne. You are kings right now. Every one of you in this church building is the king and priest unto God. Please don't go tell your husband that tonight because he's going to laugh at you and your mom. But in heaven you are. Jesus told him, I'm the son of God, and they laugh at him. They mocked him. But was he? Absolutely was. And still is. There is a what? Crown for soul winners. Look what it says right here. Labor in Adam Day. All right, chapter 2, verse 9 to 20. Go to verse 19 and 20, please. Look at this here. What is our hope? What's our rejoicing? So if I win, Sister Neil, to the Lord, I will receive a crown of rejoicing. And I pray that the devil never gets to her. Otherwise, my labor was lost. When you win somebody to, to Jesus, it's a soul winner's crown in heaven waiting for you. All right? The crown of righteousness also awaits us. In 2 Timothy, verse 4, chapter 4 rather, and verse 6 to 8, go there. Church, you need to know this. Prince Charles have a son. You recognize he's heir to the throne. Now, he has a son also who does not know that he has more rights than his dad to the throne. Hello? And he will ignore it. But once he becomes aware of it, his life changes. And you need to realize tonight, you're not just an ordinary Joe. In fact, you don't know this, but God changed your name at baptism and gave you a name that no man know but he alone. Do you know your name is literally in heaven, written down in a book of remembrance that God had? Do you know God called you and me his jewels? I mean, all sweaty on me. Hello? Full of perspiration. And God said, that's my jewel. That's the apple of mine eye. No one the Satan want us. No one wants to steal the crown jewels. Because you know the value of a Christian. The Bible says this. I have fought a what? A good fight. I have finished my course. Church, 
Let me tell you, I have not yet finished my court, and I'm still here. Nor have you. You finish your course when you stop breathing. And you're in that coffin. And all that you did or didn't do is going to follow you to judgment. And you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you work iniquity. My question is, which one are we? I want to think tonight that you are going to be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's praise God right now. It's called the crown of righteousness. Now, holiness is something people don't like. I see our brethren doing this. Their women are now, listen now, are wearing lipstick, earrings. They're cutting their hair. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something here. My wife wear a hat. But her salvation has nothing to do with that. Here's where my wife got problem. When she put that scissors in her hair. That's when she's got a problem. He said, I don't believe it that way. Well, I don't care what you believe. You're just wrong. That's all there is to it. You have a right to be wrong. Be wrong and be wrong always if you want to be. Your hair, lady, is your glory because of the angels. When a man have long hair, it's a shame. No preacher can come down this pulpit and have long hair and say he's not ashamed to God. My wife can pray without her hat on and God hear her prayers like Mary who washed the feet of Jesus with her hat on. What hat did she have on? Well, she took her long hair and wiped his feet. But if she was in question for adultery and fornication, you know what they'll do there? They'll shave her bald. That's in the book. I don't care what your pastor says. I'm telling you what I say. It's in the book. That's why Mary and Joseph, the angel had to intervene and tell Joseph she's not an adulterer. Because Joseph had the right to take her to the priest. And that priest would shave her head bald and take her hair and mix it into some kind of a slew and give her a drink. And if she was guilty, her belly would rot, so would her thigh. And if she survived it, means she was innocent, and she walked around with her head bald, shave or shorn, Everybody just look and can tell her husband question her fidelity. And that's where the shame comes in. In other words, she should not be in a position where that would happen to her. That's the law of the Bible. Jesus did not have Long hair. Samson had it for he was a Nazarite. And if he sins or cut that hair, he loses authority. Women's hair is their authority. I know I'm getting off on this, Jesus. Get me back under course here. But folks, 
holiness is demonstrated in the Bible. I don't need Greek or Hebrew to teach me this. I look for examples in the scripture. God says, if I break one law of the Ten Commandments, I'm guilty of all other nine. God said, if I just cut a little piece off, I call that rat, God says, might as well cut the whole thing off. Because to me, you have just sinned. That same God said, if I saw a girl out there, and I, in my eyes and my mind, raped her, I'd just commit adultery. Well, I didn't do the act. But I said, what's in your mind? What is he saying to us? Now, folks, I know pastors out there. They're nice guys, you know. They're not, they're not as crude as I am. I'm pretty crude. I'm sorry. I didn't go to finishing school, so I don't have that fine texture like some guys have. But friend, they're sending you to hell. No spot, no wrinkle shall enter in the kingdom of God. Let's worship Jesus. If there's one thing I'm glad for, thank God for those Islamic girls that come to our city. They cover from head to foot, unashamed, for their God. Why should we expose ourselves? Nakedness is always a type of sin. And I know wholeness is not popular, but without it, you can't see God. I know people want to be cantankerous, but you got to be a peacemaker to be called the children of God. I'm in the book. And you will be rewarded. For the holy shall obtain access to God. Hello. It's a look. Henceforth there is left for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give to them that what? That does what? Love is appearing. So I'm not making this up. Now, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to hell for anybody or even for my wife. In Jamaica, my auntie told me when she came to Canada, this woman, which was the first bishop I knew in my life, his wife, or the bishop uh, at this church, apostolic church, and this family goes to that church, and the lady in that church never cut her hair. Her hair grew to the ground, to the ground. From, you know, my country is a mixed country. And so from St. Elizabeth, their hair grew long to the ground. That's how their hair grows. They're blue eyes. <laughs> right? And she's saved. Never cut her hair once in her life. She got saved. In the coffin. Her daughter won a memorabilia, unknown to anybody, cut a piece off. Like people do, do it normally, right? And keep it in for momentum. To her, it was innocent. She did that. And that lady dreamt my mom. I don't know how she did it, because when you're dead, you're dead. But some of my, 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 grand, my, my auntie had a dream. The lady came to her and said, look. Sister, Sister Crawford, I have never cut my hair. 
and look what my children did to my hair. And she showed it. Cut my hair. So my auntie called her daughter and said to her, I had a dream. Your mom told me this. The girl fell on her knees and started crying. She says, me, I cut my mother's hair, which she has never, ever done. How could my auntie, who don't live there, know that? God was protesting for the dead. He said, I don't believe that nonsense. Well, I'm going to tell you, friend, look at this right now. Here's a drama in the Bible. Elisha lacked one miracle. One. Thirteen miracles. One to go. He died. His bones is in the cave. Huh? He's dead. What's the dead? He's dead. <laughs> and something happened, and they threw a dead man on a dead man's bone. And that bone of Elisha revived that dead man, came back to life, and was chasing the pallbearer. So you all wait for me. <laughs> now what would you do if a dead man started chasing you? <laughs> so wait for me, don't leave me behind. <laughs> no, I'm not making that up. <clears throat> that bone of the dead saint has power. We live with cross, we die with cross, we are buried with him. Oh, come on now, church. Now, I'm trying to tell you, folks. So I know Jezebel in the Bible. In my Bible, Jezebel is a problem to the church because she is used as a symbol, and she painted her face, do all these stuff. Now, church, don't get mad at me. I'm trying to tell you the truth. From now on, this book, shoot me with tomatoes. Oh, if you, you know, but I eat it while it's true. I mean, I'll eat it, I promise you. I love tomatoes. But look, guys, Jezebel is a problem to us. So is Balaam. Huh? Balaam knows the truth, but compromise it to be a people's pleaser. Is that right? And, and I don't want to do those things because if you do that, you get Balaam reward. You do Elijah stuff, you get Elijah's reward. Come on now. You live for Christ, you get Christ's reward. Live for the Antichrist, you go down with him. Hello. My favorite word, hello. Grant came in, somebody said, can somebody please answer the phone? <laughs> you keep crying, hello, please answer his phone. You folks didn't get it. I'm sure my wife got it. <laughs> of course she would. <laughs> but church, let me move on. I can't see I'm losing you there. James 1, 12. The Bible said, if you are loyal in temptation, there's a crown of what? Life. I'm not more spiritual than you. I just don't want to go to hell. You've been to a jewelry store in a Muslim country? Nothing is locked down. But if you don't want to have your hands chopped off here or there, you better not touch. Hello? And when you see a guy with a hat missing right here, that's a thief. When you see up here, it's a big thief. 
and the next time you're going to be a dead thief. <laughs> there are three stages of cutting off. Finally cut his life off. But there's a crown of life. Church, you've got a crown of life. Now, how many of you believe right now you got eternal life in you? Pastor Dean, if somebody come and shoot you, you're still not dead. Absolutely, I'm not dead. Well, what happened to me? I just changed form. I just flattered my body, like Stephen did, to be with Jesus Christ, which is far better, Paul says. I was caught into the third heaven, and you can mock if you want to, but the third heaven is a reality. You are going there. That's where you're going. That's where you're headed, around the throne, to see Christ eyeball to eyeball, face to face, mouth to mouth, cheek to cheek. And he said, I'm going to serve you. The only problem I, I feel for, in, for somebody going to heaven is my wife. Because in heaven, the gospel bird will be served and my wife don't like chicken. And I'm not sure God's going to change the menu for her. Give you lamb. Well, most Gentiles don't like lamb, so they won't serve lamb either. How many of you like lamb around here? Well, there's some mad people around like myself, I guess. But most Gentiles don't like, most of you don't like, I can see that. Before I close tonight, church, 1 Peter 5, 4, we need to talk about this. You know, your parents with kids who are so blessed and so fortunate, sometimes take your kids to go see the prison, what it looks like. The jailhouse, what it looks like. The hospital for those who take drugs, what it looks like. Show them what prostitutes go through and say, is that what you want? Is that the future you want? Because that's where you're going to end up if you throw my rules away. Church, i got so much to lose. So much to lose if I give up what I'm living right now. And I got so much to gain if I walk with Christ. Come on, beloved. Christianity is not a chore. It's a privilege. Beloved, you're rich. You're more than rich. The world to come is yours to reign over. Can you believe that? I'm trying to tell somebody you are better off than you know it. First Peter 5, 4, it says here, when the chief shepherd comes, if you want to be a pastor, it has occupation hazard. The worst punished person in hell will be preachers. I mean, people that belong to my profession. God says, you're going to have ten times what they go through for hell. Hello. And James said, be careful. Be not many what? Masters of what? Of others. Because great is your damnation. Critical word. Hello. But there's a crown of glory. Now, folks, what size is your head? Some you got P-shaped head, some got orange-shaped head, some got square heads, some got round head. What size head do you have? Well, God knows your head size. You know, when I was in California preaching in Fresno, there were some girls, folks, you think you're big? I've seen big. I'm not kidding. I'm not being funny. You could sit on their hip right here and not fall off. There's so much hanging over here. Right there. I could go like this. 
sit there. <laughs> and I wouldn't fall off. And when they go in the spirit, they just roll. <laughs> no, they just roll in the spirit. And they're in the spirit. And I said, guys, when the rapture comes, I promise you, you will not drop out of the cloud because if you have it will still take you up. They're still going up. And God know their size. And God know their weight. God know the size of your head. Hello, somebody. You know, I, I couldn't find no shirt to fit me the rest of the island. I went all the way around the world, couldn't find no shirt. Is that right? I'm an oddball-shaped guy. You know, couldn't find no shirt. Not in Jerusalem, nor in the Middle East, or even in China. I don't make things so cheap. But you know what? I was just at a conference a while ago, and a guy bought me 10 or 15 shirts my size. He found a store somewhere that I couldn't find at no charge to me. Isn't that nice? Man, if you don't want to shop, that's your problem. But, you know, I got a big old overhang right here. It just prevents everything from working. <laughs> you know, I just can't see my when you can't, when you can't see your shoes, friend, you got problems. <laughs> I, I can't see my shoes. Something's wrong here. And, you know, don't come here, friend. It's a dreadful place. <laughs> as I am, you may become. As you are, I hope to be. Hello? But church, I'm trying to tell you, Jesus Christ know your size. And your gown will be prepared for you. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. God has prepared something for fruitful, let stand, useful servant. Now, you don't know this. But in Revelation, I love this, Brother Beaton, I love the Revelation chapter 2, 2 to, to, to 3. It talks about what God promised us. Could you please take your Bible and scroll right now and look what God promised you? And how many of you thought about it, how much God cared for you? Now, Christ is rich. You are not. But all that the Father has, is given to him. The Father gave all things to Christ. And Christ wants to give all things to you. He wants to give it all to you. Listen to what Jesus said in chapter 2 of Revelation and verse 7. Look what God promised you. In verse 7, paradise and the tree of life belongs to Christians. Can you believe that? You're good enough for it if you tried. And God's going to give it to you all. Look at verse 17. I got a new name for you. I mean, don't love your name. I love my name. You know why? The name Trevor means wisdom. And I agree with that. Amen. What's your name? But God's got a new name for you. Verse 17. Verse 26. I got authority prepared for you to have over nations. Can you imagine me ruling over Canada, the land of the maple leaf? I can't wait till I rule over Russia. Amen? Can you imagine? What country you want to rule over? Name a country right now. Chapter 3 and verse 5. 
white garment and a name in the book of life. Now, nothing wrong with preachers wearing gown. I'm just not going to wear one on. I got one on the screen over there from Nigeria, and I said, Pastor, he's wearing a dress. That's not a dress. That's the way the people used to dress one time. That's how kings used to look. You see, they're not used to me looking like a king. That's how kings used to dress. Amen. God says, I got a robe for you. A seamstress is in heaven waiting to give you your gown and put your name in the book of life. Look at verse 12, chapter 3. Your name is a memorial in that new Jerusalem. Okay, man, that beautiful city, several miles long. It's not just the apostle's name there. Your name will be scribed on it. Now, can you guys figure that out? Can you figure that out? I've been to British Columbia, and I saw the most beautiful garden I've ever seen in my life, and there's none like it. It has flowers from every part of the world. I've been there. My God, what a heaven it is. Beautiful beauty. Just gorgeous. And heaven is better than that. Heaven is better than that. All right? God says in verse 21, chapter 3, you're going to sit with him on thrones. How many of you ever sit on a throne? Have you ever sat on a throne before? Think about it. Me on a throne? Me that like couldn't own a car, own a home? I sit on a throne? And I'm reigning. Can't imagine when Mr. Putin and Obama come and see me. I said, Putin, I'm about to put you out. <laughs> huh? Can you imagine, folks? You know, I used to go around to restaurants and tell folks, you know who I am? They said, no, who you are? I said, I'm Prince Neil. So, hi, Prince. And sometimes I said, hey, guys. I want you to meet my queen of Sheba, my wife, and I'm a king. And they look at my strength and say, yes, she's a queen, I'm a king. Why not? I am. You may not think so, honey. But wait till I put my robe on. Wait till I put my crown on. Hello. Amen, amen. I'm going to sit down with Jesus Christ. And finally, verse 7, 21 of Revelation, I shall inherit all things. So, Pastor Dean, what are you doing right now? I was occupying till he come. The lady in this church one time, she was sick. She's my hero still. She was so sick. And I'll tell you, I, I, I tell her, don't come to church. Stay home. Don't drive. Boy, she still drive anyhow. Drive through that weather. Boy, I'm getting scared of my life. But she'd always come. Faithful. Quiet. Not noisy. Don't make noise. You don't know she's here, but she's faithful. She's loyal to Jesus. Everything's that I know her. Loyal, faithful, quiet, consistent. And drove all that time by herself. So that's, I said, don't do it, lady. Stay home. You know, you're sick. And friends, she'd come all the time. That person lady ended up in the hospital. I don't mind me telling it right now because it's a story of, of victory. 
go, that's a glorious way to leave this earth the way she left. I can't think of no better way to leave. In fact, she left better than my mom and dad lived because my mom and dad died in the hospital. But she didn't. She died right in church, right in church, right in the seat, right there. Right where my friends stand right there. Amen, Mayor. Right where you stand, that's where she died. <laughs> but, but, but you won't die. You're going to live. <laughs> You're going to survive. That's where she sat. <laughs> and she said, but in the hospital, she said, I don't want to die in the hospital. And they said she was going to die. So I didn't know about it. They called her family, and they're crying and all that stuff. Went down there. And make a long story short, I said to that precious lady, lady, hallelujah. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if you can hear me or not. But I'm going to pray for you. But I want to see you in church on Sunday. But if you can't go to church on Sunday, go to church over there for me. And tell them we're on our way. When I left, they pulled everything off her. Instead of her dying, she said, where's my teeth? I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. She wanted to come home to make Murray. Hallelujah. And she survived for days and months. And one day I was preaching about heaven and the glory was disappearing. And she sat there, listen, she looked so normal. And then she just dropped. She just dropped and laid flat on the ground. We called the paramedics. By the time they called, came, she was gone. She wanted what she got. She wanted to leave from the temple of the house of God. That's the best I've ever seen in my limited year of pastoring. I've never seen anything more glorious than that. Hallelujah. When a young man preached that night at general conference, he preached before the general superintendent preached. His father, after he finished preaching, now I won't do that tonight, friends. It's not my time yet, so don't worry about it. Amen. He preached, I've gone as far as I could. And he sat down and died. Church, death has no terror for anybody in this church. Amen. It's just a transition. It's just going from here to over there. God has given us a plan. Acts 2.30 when I repent of my sins, when I baptized in Jesus Christ's name, yes. amen, when I literally put you in the water, you know what I did? I buried you. Right. You're dead. You come back up, that's the resurrection. Amen. You've gone through that already. Yes. You're waiting for the fulfillment. That was a practice. Amen. Now the performance is coming up pretty soon. Yes. Amen. And we'll be gone in a moment, in two of an eye. You will be paid, not with this. You may die a pauper and don't have this. This is not what you're living for. You just need this because you're passing through as pilgrims and sojourners. But your hope is not in the dollar bill or the stock market. Your hope is not in your house or your job or your car. That's just a temporary thing. Your treasure is in heaven. And Jesus Christ is your reward. And we wait for him and for that call. But there's a place prepared. Now, where's my mother right now? What's her address? I don't know. What's my dad's address? I don't know. Where's the sister's address? I don't know. I know one thing. They're in his presence. You know what they're saying? Just like he preached it. That's how heaven is and a whole lot more. Just like he talked about it. And a whole lot more. Come on, singers, help me sing. 
heaven for me heaven for me where 